Three, two, one. This is Cheryl Bailey, and welcome to Coffee Talk. Hi, everyone. I'm Kim Perlack. I'm the chair of the guitar department at Berkeley College of Music, and welcome to another Coffee Talk. This time, we have a special panel addressing something that has come up for all of us, and I'm sure for all of you listening, social media when it comes to your music. Really think about how to use it as a tool to help you and think about and become aware of the things that happen with social media that trap you and maybe make life more difficult for you. So to assist us as usual, but this time as an expert panelist, we have Assistant Chair Cheryl Bailey. Hey, Cheryl. Hello, and I definitely have my coffee in my Berkeley mug. Woo! She's ready. Ready to go. Our next panelist is also someone who is part of our office quartet, coordinator Ben Cody, also an alum of Berkeley Guitar Department. Hey, Ben. Hello. It's good to be back here on Coffee Talk. All right. Um, we have Professor Cecil Alexander with us. Hey, Cecil. Hi, everybody. Thanks for having me. And Professor Tomo Fujita. Hey, Tomo. Hi. How are you, everybody? Thank you for having me. Thank you. And managing the panel and the discussion with me, as usual, is our senior coordinator, Ian Steed, also an alum of the guitar department and a great picker. Hey, Ian. Hey, all. Good to see you all. Um, So I'm just going to try to give the nutshell for everybody. Each of you have on the panel have a way that you use social media. And so what I'm going to do is... I'm going to ask you to give like a 30 second, just a really brief, because we're going to come back to everything. What do you think is the most important way you use social media to help you in your guitar career? Um, So Cheryl, you use it uh, in a lot of ways as an educator. You have online classes that people can subscribe to and you often put clips there. And then you also use it to, um, show us what you're doing as performer. Could you elaborate on that? Just a little 30 second version of it. Yeah. I mean, I really use it to build an audience of people that are interested in my style of playing music. It's a, you know, and I think that it, it's an amazing opportunity because you can build an audience worldwide. So it is for those teaching videos. And also I'm really going to be launching a whole campaign in the new year in the spring for a new record release. So it's going to, I'm going to amp up what I do there, but yeah, I think it's a great opportunity to, to reach people that are interested in your style of music. Great. And we're going to come back to the hows of, of that. Um, Cecil, what about you? What do you think is your short version of why you use social media? Because I've seen you also use it, to show us some of the playing you're doing and your different projects, some of the teaching that you're doing, and also um, to let us know what's happening with your gigs. So how do you think of it? I uh, personally use it as a way of um, tracking my progress as a player. Like I'll post a lot of um, practice videos where I'm maybe working out a specific concept and um, also to create kind of a sense of community. Like I'll then engage with people and ask like, what kinds of things are you working on? Um, what are your favorite tunes at the moment? Um, that kind of thing. Um, but also as a as a teaching tool um, to get my like teaching resources out there and um, kind of help people in their jazz guitar journey, I suppose. 
That's great. And we're going to come back to that, especially the practice video part, because I think a lot of people are into that, but I think you do it in a very effective and beautiful way that others can learn from. So we'll come back around to that. Thank you. Um, Ben, what about you? So Ben has a band. Ben has a very large following on Instagram. Um, And um, Ben, you've really launched your band. Um, I've seen it since you've been our coordinator because we get to work together every day. Um, But can you talk a little bit about how you have successfully used social media? I I think of Instagram and TikTok as Gen Z's MTV in the sense that, you know, MTV back in the day was that's that was the marketing, right? You put the music video out there and that's what you use to get people to buy the record to come to your shows. And it's kind of the same thing that I try to approach it with. All right. It's like I'll do some clips of me playing and, and, you know, videos, photos and just try to, you know, kind of like like both Cheryl and Cecil said, you know, you know, building the following and then, but I kind of try to catch them in the web of, of that. And then, you know, get them to, if that can get them to check out my band's albums or come see one of my band's shows, you know, anything that uh, can build upon that. That's great. Um, And Tomo, you have a real giant presence. Like you're between YouTube and you're like our teacher between YouTube and Instagram and you have like a scientist, like a mad scientist, the way that you've explored the fretboard, you've also really almost looked at social media as an instrument for your own career. And you found, I think particularly interesting, the different opportunities in the different sites on social media to do certain things. So how do you think about it? Um, And because we're talking that you have over 400,000 followers on youtube isn't that true 478 now yeah okay yeah 478 000 that's amazing. okay that's, yeah, that's amazing okay so talk about your just your quick how do you think about this i mean first you know when i have my own you know website i thought exciting thing to do then youtube came up i have no idea what to do so i just post live version of you know clips and try to get the attention but didn't work so well and then instagram came up and one of my students says you should do instagram i don't want to do so many things i just don't want to do deal with these things but once i start doing it i start clicking something wow this works certain way like you said tiktok works certain way not everything same way and i realized this all free advertisement why not i just take opportunity but the difficult part is you don't want to suck into time. Then you can practice. Yeah? So I have a you know, notebook to do you know, certain things. So like I have a limitation on each thing to do. But um, quick way to say, instead of touring all over the world and just do from my you know, basement to gain more opportunity. And like Cecil said too, I post my playing so I can really review my own playing. And it's a great tool to see myself not great. <laughs> you know, so I have to practice more. <laughs> That's all. Yeah. Okay, so this is really interesting because Tomo set out, you set out to make what you do in social media a part of your career. Like it's a substantial part of your career. It's a part of your day, it's a part of your week. And it's a way you said, like, okay. I'm transitioning, I'm coming off the road more, but I still want to have an international presence. 
How can I use these platforms? And that will be my presence. And so you had to become really organized and very targeted in how you do that. It just for reference, you do spend a significant part of your week managing your social media content. Is that true? Yeah, I think so. The first thing I get up early and then certain things I have to do, check stuff, but very quickly though, quickly, you know, first quickly check Instagram, any replies, whatever, and just quickly, I just do that. Then every DM I read, I don't answer every single thing, but I just say thank you to everything so mm-hmm. that I communicate with people. And then next thing, YouTube, I have certain way to post. So usually um, Monday, mm, Thursday afternoon, I make a talk video and playing video. I made this in you know September and August. Back then, I made those. And then practice video or something short video I do very instant uh, spontaneously something like that but very uh I have to organize because otherwise I have to spend all day you know yeah so I think that's the point I'm getting to that you have to spend a number of hours a day yes doing this and you also are not allowing it to take over your life so that you can't practice Because I think that people are saying, well, I spent all this time on social media and I get all this response. But the content itself, you are very conscious about how you put that together. And we're going to get back to content in a minute. But I think it's important for everyone to know, like, if you're you're listening to this and you're not watching, Tomo is holding up a notebook. And so you have a plan of how you're going to put your content out on each platform, how long you're going to take to manage each platform, like you're timing yourself so that it doesn't run into the obligation you have to work on your instrument and also to teach your students in, in like in person at the college. Yes. And you're nodding. Okay. That's good. Um, What do you think, Per week, in, in, a, in a typical week, how many hours do you spend just managing the content on social media and, and making a plan for launching it? Me? me, ask me yeah. Okay. Maybe maybe 10 hours okay. altogether in a one week, just because probably each day I spend probably one hour managing, you know, stuff. Because I have TikTok, YouTube, Facebook. And a lot of things, but each one I don't I don't repeat the same thing. I try to do something different. For example, uh, TikTok I have something you know course to show in a second already mm-hmm. here. I written everything, so every day I check post check. That's like five minutes, you know. So, but then YouTube I have to do answer a little bit. I want to communicate, so it takes a little time. So, but probably that's about right. Ten hours probably, and then. How long, how many hours do you spend each week creating the content, like actually making the oh, video or yeah, practice? Yeah. So the creating part is like, you know, I decide to do, I do not edit anything. Okay. So basically during a week, I write any any idea in my notebook. Uh, not this one, uh, this one, this notebook. Yeah, for that. And then, you know, Thursday morning, I have no idea what to make. And then I take a shower. I think about it. I decide and I do it. So half an hour. Okay. Now on top of that. Okay. So you're doing all of that work. So let's say 
we'll throw a couple hours in there. So that's like 12 hours a week, right? Then yes. you're teaching. You're teaching about 20 hours a week, right? right. Yes. Now, on top of that, how much do you practice? Like, how much are you practicing? I practice. I don't know how long. I I, I try not to be picky about that. So sometimes, <laughs> even sometimes, you know, 10, 15 minutes, if I practice something, mm -hmm. uh, that's great. So I have foundation practice and then practice, you know, more performance part. So mm -hmm. couple, if I can practice one hour, a couple of hours a day, that's really good. You know, even like one hour concentrate, that's really good to me, you know? Okay. Now back up in your mind, when you were 20 years old, how many hours were you practicing a day? Six, eight hours. <laughs> I don't know. All day. All this day. is what, and I'm not going to tell your age, right? Yeah, but yeah. listen, this is what I want everyone to know. Like, yes, when you hear someone like Tomo say, I practice an hour or two a day, you know, if I'm lucky and I really target it. Yeah. That is after decades of practicing six to eight hours a day. That's, that's true. Yeah, yeah. And you cannot make the content that he makes at the quality level that he makes it if you don't put in that other time. So then we're going to talk to some of our panelists from Generation Z to talk about how they make sure their content is solid. So I think that was great. That's a great brief overview. And we can come back to um, some, some of the specifics of what you do, but that was, that's really good to know how long it takes you. That's a big part of your career. Thing. Go ahead. I don't want, one thing very important. I don't watch YouTube. I don't watch, I don't watch Instagram that much. Other people. I scroll down just a little bit here and there once in a while, but I don't really watch really 10, 15 minutes like that. I just go two minutes, just go like a scroll down, just, you know, see my friends doing, but I don't really look for YouTube to think like, so because I use this as a business and I learn from other business, but I don't really suck into spending. <laughs> okay. All right. This is okay. This is great. This is so important. And we're going to say this. Everyone is going to get to say this more and more. I'm just going to say, repeat what you said. This is a business. And so you are not a user of social media. You do not sit and watch other people's videos. You do not sit and scroll through Instagram. Everyone, listen, he only scrolls through Instagram for two minutes two a minutes, day. Two minutes. Two minutes. Yeah. That's it. Tops. Because like that. That's it. <laughs> that's it. So that's one of the traps that we're going to talk about is people with this endless scrolling and comparing yourself and like getting sucked in and thinking you're working. <clears throat> also, if you're listening to this, Tomo held up three different notebooks. So he's got an organizational system for everything he does, right? I do. See, and, red, yeah. Blue and black. Red, blue, and black. Yes, because this way, every day I write. So like every morning I get up early, first thing I make a coffee, I, I open this and check everything. Make mm -hmm. sure my time's going like this, you know? Mm -hmm. Because I'm a busy guy. I can't really thinking too much, you know? Figuring out, yeah. Kim, I gotta say, I just, Tomo. Oh, sorry, I was gonna say, well, sorry, Ian, but Kim and I had this discussion a while back, and I was read somebody said the people that invented social media 
don't use it because you couldn't invent something like that if you were distracted all the time. So just that's think right. about that. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead, Ian, follow up. Yeah. So this way that you're talking about using social media yes. with your time management, yes. thinking of ideas ahead of time, yes. writing them down, and then spending a certain amount of time on them to execute them and figure them out. Like you're describing a practice routine. You're, you're, what you're talking about, like, it's really clear. I mean, it's like these very specific practice techniques that like we hear about all the time and you start to implement them. And then sometimes maybe you could, you know, fix that up. And when you were asked about your practice, it's like, well, how much do you practice? And you went, you know, okay. Like, but you didn't get as specific, but like, it's really clear that that is the kind of mind that you've had for practicing and that you're really just using social media in the same way that you practice an instrument to a high level, because you could also sit there with your guitar and, you know, do the equivalent of scrolling, right? Yeah. Playing the things that you're comfortable with playing the things that, you know, uh, you know, just letting your fingers do the work or whatever. And it's like, really to get good at it <laughs> is the kind of time management that you're using for this. So yeah. I thought that was really interesting. Thank you. Thank you. Well, <laughs> I think we learn through guitar about the life and I teach guitar and I teach people to become more patient, a nice, nice person, because I think guitar playing makes you a nicer person because you become very patient. You love about the guitar. You love about the people, you help other people. And I think everything um positive impact that's what it is you know then that's what i like to share through the world and hopefully i gain more fans through my music so just like social media is almost you have own tv station for free without any instruction that's the part no instruction but then algorithm everything changes it you got to have to follow it a little bit you know Anyway, so that's... <laughs> no, I, I like everything you just said. And, and that kind of brings me to my follow-up question, which is, Tomo, you decided, you had to decide at one point who your audience is going to be. And and you just said it, that you said, like, beyond playing, like, just to promote yourself as a player, you really made a decision to be a teacher on social media and also be a person that encourages players, like, you know, part of your teaching on social media is like a really encouraging presence for people. Yeah, positive. Yes. Thank you. Yes. Because a lot of people has personality problem, you know, or not deciding right things, maybe having wrong decision and then spending many hours because all wrong information on the social media or YouTube, because anybody can be teacher on YouTube and anybody can say anything. So if somebody does great presentation with the video editing, everybody believe, oh, this is great. Yeah. So that's why uh, I've been doing talk video on uh, Friday uh, YouTube because, first of all, I I never ever have any confidence about my English speaking because that's my second language, you know. And But then more I teach through... Um, uh, Skype, and somebody said, why don't you do this talking thing more than teaching guitar? Are you kidding me? I'm not comfortable like this. But then somebody 
you know, it recommended me. One of my Skype students, he became my assistant handling YouTube about business. Again, you know, he just checked everything about, you know, then I follow him a little bit advice. So anyway, so I start making talk video. Now talk video going more than playing um, lesson video because people slow down, watch, you know, 10 minutes, 15 minutes lesson. People want to learn. And so like, Sis was doing like a practice video. That's great. Two, three minutes, like playing something the people watch, you know? Yeah. So, mm. so many directions to do. But um, so now I'm doing more talk video. Mm -hmm. You know, I think this is really interesting because we're going to get to each person and we have different generations represented in the panel, right? And Tomo, you are a, a senior teacher. And you're known for being a player, an international player, but you're also known for being a teacher because some of your students have gone on to big careers. And so I think what's really interesting is you said, well, how can I use this as a tool to reach a huge number of students and give them just a little bit of inspiration, right. some tips, some things like, like what can each platform do for, to help a large number of students grasp some of the things that you see a large need for, like beyond just the person that you're going to see every week for an hour who has gotten into Berkeley. And so I think that's really cool that you were able to use this as a tool. And now it's become a very big part of your career right. and of your international presence. And now you're at a point where <clears throat> you don't want to get on as many planes, but you can still reach an international audience. And you've really embraced your role as a teacher and I think that's really cool. And it's all of the experience. So like, if you're listening to this in your 20, this is interesting because here's a person who's much older than you. And you're not going to just try to copy what he's doing because he's bringing his lifetime of experience to this role on social media. And that's why he has so many followers. And so you can learn from a lot of his experience. Um, and we'll get back to some tips and advice you have, Tomo, to younger people. Sure. in a minute. Um, but I think what we're going to do is just kind of hear the same kind of just discussion from each person kind of based on where they are in their career. So that was great. Um, ben, let's go to you. Let's go to the opposite end, right? So Ben, you graduated not too long ago and you have a fairly large, I, I looked at your uh, following on Instagram and it's big. It's over 40,000. Is that correct? I'm at, uh, I'm almost at 85,000. 85,000. I'm sorry. I was wrong about that. I was we have another 11,000 on TikTok now. Oh my goodness. I was thinking of someone else's number in this group. Um, but yeah, so you have 85,000 on Instagram. And um, you had to also, I'm sure, use this tool to build your following for your band in the pandemic. So can you talk a little bit about how you used it and what you're thinking of? Because I think your experience is going to speak to people who are thinking like, all right, I'm about to finish Berkeley or I just finished Berkeley. Like what is happening in the world right now? And how do I launch like my band? So talk a little bit about how you did this and how you yeah. think. About it. I mean, I, I think, you know, my success that I've had, uh, you know, on social media is, you know, a direct effect from the pandemic uh, because even though I think I'm, probably the youngest one here. And I know I think I definitely the most recent grad here. Um, you know, I still, I never really had any desire or 
you know, an inclination to try to be a, a you know, Instagram guitar player, TikTok guitar player, whatever you want to call it. Um, because I mean, when I was a student here, I was gigging three or four times a week, every week, you know I mean? That's just cause that's just what I thought you did. You know I mean? All my heroes, you know, all my, my rock and roll heroes, that's what they did. And I just thought that's what you do. You know, you're just gigging all the time, even though I wasn't making really any money, you know, at any of the gigs, I mean, you'd be playing until three o'clock in the morning and some dive bar and Worcester and, you know, go home with maybe 20 bucks in your pocket if you're lucky. Um, but I, I just thought that's, you know, how you build a career and that's how you do it. And then the pandemic happened and, you know, shut down the, uh, really the music industry for the most part for everyone. Um, you know, I couldn't gig, you know, you're stuck at home and during the shutdown. So, uh, what I started doing at first was uh, live streaming on Facebook because I had a lot of friends that were doing Facebook live streams and it was more just kind of always kind of hang out with, you know, your friends and, and just kind of play a little bit and just kind of have the interaction. And then from there I started live streaming a little bit. I got more into my Instagram and I figured, you know, there's really nothing else I could do other than, you know, try working on building up, you know, some sort of presence on online because, you know, again, you, know, you can't gig, you can't really play. And I guess part of it too, now that I think of it was almost like therapeutic in the sense that I was just so desperate to, to perform in, in one way. It was kind of, it was, it is still, you know, in a sense of performance um, to an extent, but um, yeah, I, I started, you know, posting some short videos and I, and I figured out pretty quickly that, you know, it, it's, it, it was more kind of just the short videos. And, and like I said, at the very beginning, this is much more of a marketing kind of advertisement rather than it being, you know, my art. And then what I tell a lot of people as well is like, I would never play like how I do on Instagram, you know, where you, you know, you, you tap fairly, play really fast and, you know, you do it for like 10 seconds. Like I'd never play that way on a record, you know, or, or you're, I mean, live, you have your guitar solo spot, but other than that, it's like, it's very directed at just trying to have kind of a little bit of that, you know, shock value, some of those fireworks. And again, to try to just, it's, it's an advertisement. Um, but really what kind of, uh, I think, unfortunately jump started you know my, my instagram uh was when when my hero eddie van halen passed away um in october of the pandemic of 2020 that kind of which happens i think with a lot of artists you know once an artist passes a lot of times their music becomes very relevant for a short period of time afterwards and everyone is remembering them and then all of a sudden everything that i've been doing pretty much since i was like 14 uh became mainstream and relevant kind of that 80s you know Van Halen style, uh, you know, guitar playing. And that kind of gave me a little bit of a, a, like I said, a little bit of a push because all of a sudden now that's what everyone's looking for. And then from there, it was just kind of, uh, building on that. And then, you know, I, I found too, that kind of like what, what Tomo said as well, it, it, it kind of does create a sense of community as well to an extent. Like I found like with my live streams, I mean, I can interact with, with, my, my fans like they can type in something and I can respond to them right away and and that's not something you can get at a, at a concert I mean people can yell stuff from, from the audience but it's not you know not the same thing um so it was kind of just the combination of having that mindset of all right this is like I said at the beginning of this too like I, I think of it as like the Gen Z MTV because it's like all right this is just kind of a, an advertisement a a, a a promotional tool um kind of see kind of a the, the very tip of the iceberg of what you know what ben cody what the ben cody band is but 
if that can draw people in and then have them dig deeper and, you know, maybe check out some of my, my records or check out, you know, you know, come to a show or something like that, then, then that, that's, that's, I consider that a success, but also it's like, I, I can interact with people on, on a, you know, deeper level, I think as well, you know, just even just responding to, you know, comment, you know, sometimes that like, and the way I think of it too, is like, if, you know, like Zach Wilder or, or you know, like, like one of my heroes, like responded to like, if I, if I were to post a comment on, on, you know, one of their videos and they were to respond, it's like, that, that'd be, that would give an extra layer of, of uh, connection, you know, to, to the artist. And that's something that I think is a good, good uh, aspect to it as well. I want you to talk a little bit about what you just said about how the content you put on Instagram and TikTok and it's the tip of the iceberg. It's not the iceberg, right? It's just a little hint. It's a little thing to draw people in to what your real art is, like your real playing is, which is your record, which is your ability to play live. Like they're seeing when we see you play, you, you sound great. And you could talk about that too. Like you sound great when you play every single time. Whether it's flashy or not flashy or, you know, I mean, soulful or flashy or both. Right. But it's the tip of the iceberg. It's not the iceberg, because I think that sometimes younger people are fooled into thinking like, oh, well, okay, I can play for 30 seconds. But then if I went and looked behind that 30 seconds, would there be 30 minutes or two hours or three hours? And um, how do you manage that? Can you talk about what Tomo talked about? Like, how do you manage your time on social media? Like what's the breakdown of how much time you spend, how you choose your content, how you practice it. And then in relationship to um, the other parts of your professional life and your practicing. Yeah. I mean, I'm definitely not as uh, strict as Tomo <laughs> is when it comes to, but I, I will say I do record pretty much everything that I'm going to do at least a couple weeks in advance. Like I always just always have something you know, in the can, ready to go. Um, and it's kind of getting to the point now where a lot of my content is gear related because I'm, I'm fortunate enough to be able to have a lot of, uh, you know, gear brands that want to work with me and, and, you know, want me to feature, you know, certain, certain, uh, guitars or, or strings or even some, some clothing brands too. So a lot of it is like, you know, if, if I get, uh, if, if I receive something that needs to be featured in a video, I'll make sure to, you know, come up with some content featuring it and then have that ready to go. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, it, it's something that it took me a little bit to kind of navigate my s scheduling around, even, even just to kind of go back a little bit. We said the tip of the iceberg and like, it took me a little bit to kind of almost like, deprogram my mind of how to play for Instagram and, and how to be able to separate that because like when, when, especially during the pandemic, when I was first kind of trying this out, it's like as an artist, it, it almost felt wrong to just kind of be doing these, you know, I, I kind of felt almost a little goofy, you know, uh, just doing these quick little short videos where, um, you know, it was like, and I, like I said, kind of flashy is kind of the, the way I would, describe it and I kind of had a little bit of kind of having to figure out my identity again a little bit because I was always thinking like well you know 
a lot of colleagues or a lot of, a lot of people that, that I know, like at this level, they're probably going to think of me as like, you know, what, what's he doing? Um, but then, you know, it's kind of, again, figuring out who your audience is. For me, I, my audience is, you know, teenage guitar players, um, you know, predominantly rock guitar players. And it's like, that's what works and that's what they want to see. And, you know, I, I like to think that I can inspire a lot of, you know, young players to, you know, want to be able to hopefully dive a little bit deeper um, and, 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 you know, have a little bit more of a, a connection or a deeper uh, desire to, you know, be more of a musician, you know, rather than just, just a player. But um, and it was something that I really had to adjust to be like totally like a business, you know, and say, all right, well, I'm going to, at the beginning, I would usually take like a Sunday <laughs> and I'd take a couple hours and I, I would do outfit, like wardrobe changes. So that way I'd be good for like a couple weeks. Cause like if you're playing, you know, if you're in the same outfit, then it kind of gets obvious, like, all right, but you, you want to have a different look too. I don't want to give away too many more secrets on this, but, um, uh, you know, <laughs> I'd, I'd make sure to be prepared for a couple weeks in advance, you know, with content because, you know, just with life and, and, this has been a pretty busy year for me, just in my personal life anyway, between, you know, getting married and moving a couple times and all that. But, uh, so see, I just try to always be able to not necessarily have my social media be the forefront of my attention, but have it be there enough that I can, you know, quickly just go and hit post <laughs> and, and be good for, for a couple of days. That's kind of where I'm at right now. So I like this because I think this is showing that when you're in a earlier phase of your career, you, you have to put more time into it. You have to put more time into planning it. You know, you're going to get great at this. <laughs> you branded yourself. You found your audience on Instagram, on social media, which is a little bit different. Some of the same people, but different than like what your audience is for your records and for your live gigs. And then because you did that and you were so sure about it and you planned it and you were so intentional about it, then you end up with endorsements. Then you end up with things that came to you. I remember there are quite a few things that came to you because of the social media presence that you developed with a certain audience because other clothing brands and, and um, guitar gear brands, they wanted that audience as well. They knew that you were reaching the same audience they were trying to reach. Right. Oh yeah. And, and, you know, and, and at the end of the day, you gotta, you know, or at least I always just keep reminding myself, you know, this is a business, you know, and like any other business, you know, it's always follow the money trail and follow what, you know, what, uh, you know, is, is the worth. And, and so the, the bigger following you have, that means the more reach you have. And that is at the end of the day, what, what, um, you know, a lot of gear brands want, they just want, and it's kind of the same thing. Like when it comes to playing a club, you know, it's like <laughs> how many club owners will admit that they don't care what the band sounds like as long as they can fill the house, you know? And, and so it is kind of that balance and saying, all right, well, you know, I want to make sure that I don't lose my craft, but at the same time, there is a bit of a compromise and say, all right, well, I also have to entertain to, to this audience as well. A topic we're going to come back to that I want everybody to address and think about is the thing about craft, because my response to that 
it, Ben, even if you don't think you're showing all of you, which you're not because you can't in 20 seconds, I still know that you're a great guitar player because the way you play anything is the way you play everything. And it's, it's really great guitar playing. And there are a lot of popular videos out there that are not great guitar playing. And that it's been, we've talked about that a lot in the department that what um, people could get the wrong message from that or, or also kind of shoot themselves in the foot, so to speak, um, by putting out stuff that isn't as high quality. So think about that for a minute and we'll come back. Uh, but Ian, what what's on your mind listening to Ben talk about his way of structuring social media? Yeah. So, you know, you have, uh, and I've seen this, um, you mentioned about like community and like using it for certain things um, or like being able to interact with people. And you talked about like how that adds another layer to that. And like, you have an enormous following, like huge, like a lot of people follow you on these platforms. What I'm curious about is like, when you talk about this being the marketing for like gigs or for records, I mean, like, and it's not that it's not like an, like an incredibly powerful tool, but I'm curious, like how much of that following is really going to buy the record or going to go to your show or like, cause like there's a lot of nuts on the internet, you know what I mean? And like, uh, it's, it's good if, you know, you know, uh, this random nut follows you on Instagram. Cause it's one more, you know, like notch on your belt or something. But like, I'm curious, like the other side of that community sort of thing that like, there's a lot of engagement on these platforms and a lot of it's really positive, but some of it, can be a little bit of a challenge, right? Yeah. So are we talking about haters? Because I get a lot of those. <laughs> yeah. Or, or even just like, like people who follow and because like social media in, in some way is also kind of like a game and people just act differently on these platforms than they do in real life. Right. And so like, yeah. even if somebody doesn't hate your playing, like, I don't know who hates well, your playing, but well, like, yeah. you know, like, like just somebody who just says a completely like out thing or like, is just bizarre. Like, yeah, there, I mean, you have to have tough skin. Cause I mean, and I was actually talking about this uh, to, you know, my, my bass player the other day, it's like the whole uh, kind of internet's, kind of psyche is almost shifted. <laughs> I mean, it seems it has where it's just become this kind of troll mentality. That's, you know, to, to be the, the term of, you know, uh, you know, like a social media troll, where there's a lot of people that just go out there and they just try to say mean things is because maybe they get a kick out of it or, or, you know, whatnot, or, or they just genuinely don't like what I'm doing, which is fine. And it's just something that, you know, it used to bother me because I, I mean, I didn't, I don't have that many. I mean, but it's like you, you're going to get it no matter what level you at, what level level you're at. And really, I think the more success you get, usually the more people kind of come out of the woodwork to try to, you know, just bring negativity in for whatever reason. And um, you know, it took me a little while to just kind of be able to kind of ignore that noise. And you know, you you have to keep in mind that it's like everyone feels more comfortable and more powerful hiding behind you know, the anonymous of that. Um, but uh, it's actually funny because I was watching an interview a little while back with uh, Ronnie Radke, who's the singer. He was the singer of Escape the Fate. He's the singer of Falling Universe now. He's 
I'm a big fan of, and um, you know, they're, they're you know very well established. And he was talking about kind of the same thing where you know you, you would see all this negativity and, and you know all these kind of haters or trolls, whatever you want to call them, and kind of figuring out how to deal with them. Then he said in his interview that uh, he had he watched an interview with Eminem who was saying the same thing. Oh, so it's like, and so, and, and Ronnie Radke said in his interview, it's like, as soon as I saw that there was Eminem, who was someone who was like at the level above me saying the same thing, he said, it kind of made me feel better. So now for me, it's like, all right, I have Ronnie, who's, you know, definitely a level above me. And then I have Eminem, who's even more of a level, you know, levels above me. And everyone's kind of dealing with the same thing. So that kind of makes it feel a lot less personal because it's not really personal, I think, you know, unless you make it that way. So it's just, it's something that I try not to, engage with because if you engage and you have to re-engage and, and it, it just, it, it adds a whole other thing that I don't want to deal with. But then the other side of it too, like, like you said with, you know, you know, how does it affect, you know, concerts and, and all that. It's like, uh, my wife and I, the other, uh, like a couple weeks ago, we got our COVID booster and, and we felt we were like so sick the, the day after the side effects were really bad. And actually, I took a sick day, and like we could barely get off the couch. And it's like, I'm like, let's just order a pizza because like we, we so we got a pizza delivered, and so I go answer it, and uh, from from Domino's, and uh, there's a kid maybe 17 years old. He opens up the door and he looks at me, and he's looking at me like he goes, he goes, oh my god. I'm thinking like, do I, like is there something on my face? He's like, are you Ben Cody? I'm like, yeah. He's like, me. He's like, I'm a guitar player. I'm I'm such a big fan. I didn't realize you lived here in, in this town and all that. And, and, and I'm like, oh, thank you so much. And then afterwards, I'm, I'm telling Kelly, I'm like, you know, do we have to start worrying about, like, people knowing, like, our address now? Is it, like, are we getting to that point? But even, like, <laughs> I was at a Patriots game. My, my dad and I went. And, you know, there's people coming up to me, you know, just, you know, say, oh, you know, follow you on Instagram. I'm a guitar player. You know, so it's like everywhere I go, I kind of meet someone that, you know, has had a positive, you know, impact in person, you know. But you have – Online, you always have those uh, negative folks that. Dude, that's awesome. By the way, I just got to say that's rad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's great. I mean, I think I want to just ask before going to Cecil. Um, so Ben and Tomo, you both I know from talking to you, you use the fact that people will be haters, like that. You use the comments to your advantage. You found out. And I think Tomo, you were helpful to Ben in in teaching him about this, but <laughs> right because I because we had you come and teach Ben some things for our. We'll talk about our department um, one in a second, but <clears throat> so here's the thing: like we have a department Instagram and social media that Ben runs, and so we had we asked Tomo to help Ben, and <clears throat> Ben, I think you got our her account up from like 500 followers to 25,000. Right. And the reason the growth has been slow lately is because we had to shut off the comments because of what Ian is talking about, uh, because we couldn't justify Ben using work hours, helping us run the department to get rid of nasty comments because we are a department. We're a school and young kids look at our thing and we didn't want there to be nasty comments on there that would hurt a student's feelings or that would um, you know, freak out prospective students and their parents and stuff. But there are a lot of trolls, like nasty comments. And I don't know what a lot is, but 
any seemed like a lot to me, honestly. Um, so we turned them off. And, and the result was that we didn't grow as fast, right? Um, but the upshot was that Ben didn't have to monitor that. But for your personal accounts, Tomo and Ben, you both, you leave the comments open and you understand that part of the liability of doing that is that you're going to have people write nasty comments. So Tomo, what is your thought? Yes. Um, for YouTube, you know, a lot of people write nasty comments, you know, in general. So earlier, I always set, you know, when comment comes, I check everything. But now YouTube is getting better to get rid of all nasty comments, you know. So so now it's wide open. But still, um, but, you know, there's always people don't have good time in life. I understand, and I don't blame that. Life is a struggle already, you know. So, and I just say thank you for your attention. Thank you for sharing. I do not point out what's wrong, what's right, because that's not my business. My business is communicating with people positive way, and like Ben said, making community for people to get to better something. So, um, but I don't ignore. I mean. If something way out and I just, you know, I have to erase it, you know, that influence other people, you know, so then, but anything comes to me, I love read everything. So I just don't ignore because if you ignore when you go to sleep, something come, comes back. So I understood everything and I don't pay attention. That's my way, <laughs> you know, and they always say thanks to these people. It's funny. If I keep saying thanks to these people, these people turn into nice people sometimes. Real true. And so, some, oh my God, I didn't know you're going to say like that. And I'm so sorry I said that because I had a bad day. That's okay. We it, all have a bad day, you know. Yeah, I, I, I think it's a really, I'm sorry, but I think it's a really interesting uh, concept because they, they almost, it's like they don't think of us as real people. Yeah, so they yeah. just think, and as soon as you get that response and then that humanity comes right. back, that's when they're all like, oh, like, what did I do? Why did I say that? You know, it's like they don't they, at they that assume, point. They think they, they, yeah, they assume we get upset and they don't, you know, we don't say anything. Then they, then they go, oh, yeah, great. I did it. You know, you know, like that. But then, like, you know, I then I say something nice. Though, they go, oh, <laughs> what I say, you know, then, like, you know, so I just, you know, be nice to people. I just don't say anything against, you know, they have a bad day. They have, a, you know, something, you know, and even Instagram sometimes like, anyway, so yeah, I just take everything positive. That's all. <laughs> I think it comes to your, down to your goals, right? Because you guys are both using this as a, as a really significant part of your career, both Ben and Tomo, right? Um, it's it's like a part of what you do. It's a piece. And so part of the trade-off of that is you have to manage the nasty comments. Yeah. Well, can I uh, add one thing? If yeah. you, you know, okay, I post a lot kind of funky video because that's what I like to do. Mm -hmm. And still, I believe not so many people know about me. Only a little bit. I mean, because so many people in the world, right? So sometimes I try to put more same video and always say, oh, you play same thing over and over. Mm. I used to go a little bit, feel that mm, maybe I should change it a bit. I can play, yeah, I can play jazz. I can play, you know, jazz steps. I can do that, but that's not my thing, you know? So, so then I read, okay, I should keep going because singer, same, sing the same lyrics. Hotel California, they still singing same thing. 
So I play same thing. Why not? You know, yeah, I'm I'm really glad you said that because I get that all the time. It's always you know why yeah, play the same thing. Hard. Yeah, and the, but the biggest thing I say ninety nine percent of like the bad comments are yeah. from like middle aged people that like wish that they could have been a, like a guitar player. That's right. And, and I, I think it's kind of like that yeah, thing. But but it's always you know why do you play the same thing? And it's always you know the biggest thing too is be original. Stop playing other people's music. It's like, well, they don't understand that I'm I'm playing these covers. I'm doing this yeah, certain yeah, thing. Exactly. People are going to come in to see me because if I do my original music, it's not going right. to get the same uh, same yeah, effect. Especially like you know, in, you know, YouTube too. If I play original music, you know, uh, this is a question to Ian too. Uh, I don't get so many views, but I sell a lot of CDs on a streaming line. But then kind of kind of like this. You know, but number won't go up because original music. But as soon as if I play popular music, wow, you know, yeah. Something. Okay, so this is great. This is the perfect segue to Cecil and Cheryl because Ben and Tomo are specifically growing a huge audience to be part of, like, part of who they are professionally that might be a different part than their original music that they're doing. But Cecil... You are doing something different with social media. You're bringing people in to create a community around your original music and your teaching at Berkeley and, and maybe beyond, like the way that you teach, the way that you play, the projects that you're doing. So the numbers are important in the sense, but they're not as important to have like huge numbers. You're creating a community around what you're doing. So can you talk about your approach to that goal? Sure. I, I think um, kind of similar to what Ben was saying about like when the um, pandemic hit, it was like you kind of focused a lot of attention on what you were going to do on social media because it was like a great replacement for playing gigs. And it was a, I don't know, it was just kind of entertaining as well. Um, but I think when the pandemic hit, I um, kind of, I guess, tried to get a little bit more uh, narrow in my focus on social media. Like before I was kind of posting a lot of different stuff, um, different genres, um, kind of with the goal in mind being like, oh, I want to try to reach as many people as I can. But then um, I realized like what did the best on my channel were um, the videos where I was just kind of like playing standards or like being you know, honest about like, this is what I'm working on. Um, I don't like my time feel or, you know, something like, like throwing in jokes and things like that to, uh, generate engagement. And that's when I realized that, um, you know, I had a very specific audience that just wanted to see me play tunes and just like wanted to see me play jazz and like talk about jazz and, and that kind of thing. Um, so I kind of just honed in on that. Um, and I think I've just been on that road ever since I think. So this is really great because, so Cecil, you're one of our younger faculty members, but you've had a big career so far. So, I mean, if people don't know, you should listen to all of the panelists, go look them up on social media, you can find them, and then go to their records. But what <clears throat> what a lot of our students know, and I think what your audience knows, is that you, you very famously... Um, were a finalist. You placed very high at uh, the Monk competition, which is now the Herbie Hancock competition, and um, that you're known for um, a, a very virtuosic and yet very soulful style of playing, right? That generally we we think of as older 
people playing. So I think for, for a lot of people, you seem very approachable and you're doing this thing at an incredibly high level. And it's like their way to sort of see how it really works. Right. So when you're practicing something and you're showing people how you practice it, it's almost like you're trying to tell them not to be afraid. You're not just playing stuff because you don't know how to play it. It's like, you're saying like, Hey, I'm working on stuff too. And you can like, you're inviting them to learn which is different people who put videos up on Instagram than just practicing something you can't really play and putting that up just to put something up. Right. Like Cecil, you are a a great player and I'm going to ask you how much you generally practice and how much you practiced when you were a student in a minute. Um, But what I'm trying to say is that I think practice videos are a trap for most players because they see you do it and they think, Oh, I can do that. All he's doing is practicing. But what I hear when you are practicing is I hear an absolute master on our instrument being vulnerable and inviting people into your process. And what I hear when I hear other students, younger students do it, is I hear someone who doesn't really know how to play the guitar at a super high level yet. And that's two different messages in the world, right? As a person, I'm a person now who hires people. And when I see you do that, I see, oh, wow, here's someone who's willing to show the process, to show what's behind the curtain to younger players and invite them in. When I hear younger players who aren't playing well and they're practicing, I hear, here's someone who's not ready yet. Um, can you talk about that a little bit? I mean, do you think that's a fair assessment like you, when you think about it? Yeah, I think definitely um, I've seen a lot of like younger players that will put stuff up, um, like you said, just to have something up and they're maybe not... Um, not super comfortable with whatever it is that they're doing. And I've also seen, I think the opposite where someone will kind of advertise it as like a practice video, but you know, it's something that they've ran for like 12 hours before filming. And, you know, it's kind of just to like almost create this separation between them and whoever's watching the video, because I think that that can be very unhealthy for younger guitar players. And it can kind of lead them to think that, oh, I'm like levels away from that person that posted that video where they were just like messing around. You know, I can't do anything like that. Um, And I think that 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 just kind of like what Tomo was saying, like not spending a lot of time on social media. I think the more time that you spend on social media, the more of that kind of stuff you see. And then you can't help but like get in your head and be like, oh, I'm not like, you know, as much of a musician as them or I can't do half the things that they can do and that kind of thing. What do you think about um, Cecil when um, I think the other side of what you just said is a trap that I wanted everybody to think about a little bit. There are some videos going around that have a ton of views and they're, they're flashy like Ben was talking about, but they're not skilled and they're really popular. We have, we seem to have some students now who are young, who are almost addicted to them. They watch them over and over and over again and try to imitate them. And it's almost like there's this thing about it. There's something about it that maybe seems attractive, maybe because, because it seems casual to a certain extent, or like, it seems like something you could just sort of pull out your guitar and do, or do you have a sense of why that is attractive and, and maybe what would be a, a healthier way to think about 
creating your own content or maybe not watching those and maybe practicing your own stuff? Like, how do you, when students come in and they just say like, no, 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 that my performance piece for my final exam, I want it to be like this guy. And they've just watched it hundreds of times. What do you tell them to do? Uh, well, I think it kind of gets people away from um, working on fundamentals ultimately because they have all these um, almost like a checklist of things in mind that they've seen on social media. Like, I just want to be able to do this, this, and this. And those things are kind of like, um, you know, you don't really have to put in a lot of hours to be able to do that. You know, you have to really put in a lot of hours to be like a well-rounded musician and like, uh, ben was saying like those videos where it's just something flashy for the sake of being flashy or um, encouraging like kind of surface level playing. It's like just the tip of the iceberg. You know, if you go to a concert of that person's music, are you going to be able to like feel the music? Are they going to be able to comp for other people? Are they going to be able to like make the band sound good and that kind of thing? Um, I think that, uh, yeah, just it's just a matter of um, of missing the foundation. You know, Tomo, you had a couple of thoughts about that. Um, like, you know, it's almost like a video game instead of a musical foundation. Yeah, because everything become a little easier to record because everybody has, you know, um, microphone and, you know, Ableton uh, recording gear, plug-in. You don't need an amp, everything in it. And then you can make a backing track really amazing because the drum tracks, the bass track, everything automated. So you can make really killer, amazing one. Then you play very acrobatic thing, like, uh, you know, like two two fingers or whatever. And then people like, you know, Cecil said, spend six hours to make three minutes of video. And by the time, if somebody say, hey, let's play key of F, What's your key of F? <laughs> so, you know, almost no communication in the real-time music. That's why I'm saying everybody into market, you know, technology and you know, video game. But video game, who make a video game has to have a foundation of a technology, understand how to program these. So right. That's the you know word I important foundation. Yeah, it really is. <clears throat> the tip of the iceberg, but without an, any kind of iceberg underneath. Um, one thing I wanted to say about Cecil before throwing it to Ian for a minute um, is that <clears throat> Cecil, when you use social media the way that you do to show us like how you're building different projects, um, I can tell like as a person who like now I'm I'm in this position that, you know, I never thought I'd be in where like for a long time now, almost 10 years, I'm also hiring people right? Like you, right? And so be, when I look at someone's social media, I can tell by the way you put it together, what it's, what you use it for. Do you use it to keep in touch with family and friends and basically let people know um, <clears throat> what you're doing? You know, like I just have a very simple one because when people go to my website, I want them to see all the stuff I'm doing, what I'm doing for the school and people can come and look and, and, you know, sometimes people are scared of people like department chairs. So they come to mind and they're like, Oh, she seems like a nice person. Um, she likes, you know, to be in nature and like, look, there's some cool guitar stuff going on. You know, this is an approachable, serious person. When I see Cecil's, I know that what I'm going to see are the beginnings or the, like how things are going with different projects. So I know that you have a duo with your wife. 
that's really cool. And I knew that you had um, a, <clears throat> a group project and you performed at City Winery. And I knew that you had a record coming out. And then um, I know that you're a teacher because you're showing people different things. Like, so I can kind of see what you're doing, right? And so I think that's important too. Like when you put yourself out there, you're sort of showing us what you're doing, if that makes sense. Do you think of it that way, Cecil? Are you conscious of that? I think to a certain extent, um, I've always kind of thought of it as like a, um, a resume, really, you know, because you want to put your best foot forward because, you know, you never really know who's going to be looking at your account and like, you know, I've had some of my favorite musicians reach out to me and say like, hey, let's set something up. Like, I saw your videos and you sound cool. Um, you know, I'm coming to Boston, let's play or something like that. Um, so yeah, you never really know who's who's going to reach out to you, who's like looking at your page, um, what kind of stuff people have in mind, that kind of thing. Um, Ian, what are you thinking about? Uh, yeah, so... Um I'm curious about your own reactions to the stuff that you've posted, like the way that the algorithm sort of, uh, uh, you know, benefits one thing over the other. Like, I guess I'm thinking a little bit about, I mean, I play a lot of acoustic guitar. I'm like a steel string acoustic player and I, I'm not on social media a lot, but man, when I see some stuff, there's a lot of whack stuff. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and I don't even mean like it's like surface level. I mean, just like the nature of what it is to play it. It just seems so whack. And I'm curious, like, like one thing that's really interesting is like, if you looked up the, like the top posts for like bluegrass, like, I, I don't think I could watch them. They're so whack. <laughs> like it is so, so I'm curious, like, like not like what is being rewarded from like are you ever surprised by what maybe didn't get a lot of attention that you're really proud of or something that did get a lot of attention you're like oh really that one like it's fine but you know i'm like curious as to like how you interact with the algorithm and like does it ever sort of highlight something that you're surprised by or like, I guess, how do you navigate that? Well, I think that definitely happens all the time um, just because of, like, the nature of the app. I think, you know, when people are scrolling through their phone, they're not really thinking about, like, you know, sometimes people won't even have their sound on. They're just, like, looking for something that makes them want to turn their sound on. So, like, I've had videos where I feel like I'm not really playing very well or uh, I didn't do something that I was happy with and it just does well because it looks good. You know, it was like uh, filmed with a really nice camera or uh, maybe the setting around me looks really interesting. Like I had a video, like one of the best videos, um, best performing videos on my page um, was just like me performing outside of a coffee shop and like people were walking by as I was playing with this trio and it just looked like I don't know, the scenery just looked interesting. So I guess that's why it took off. But I didn't feel like I was playing anything that was better than um, the stuff that I usually post that's just like me practicing or something like that. Cheryl, I want to throw it to you so that you can tell us how you use this. But also, um, 
I'm hoping that you can weave in there your your perspective as a department chair on on this whole thing because I think it's interesting what Ian said <clears throat> that people could have high performing videos, right? And that's part of your career that could be part of their career. And there's nothing wrong with that. <clears throat> what we're also trying to cultivate is if you come to Berkeley and you want to be a deep musician, that might not, you can't have that as the whole story. And I almost said might not, but the truth is you cannot have it as the whole story. If you want to be a truly deep musician in other ways, it's not a bad thing that you excel on social media, but that doesn't mean that you don't have to have craft. And I think that sometimes we feel this funny pull as though one could substitute for the other, but obviously it can't. It's just one thing that, that you have to really be intentional about. So can you talk a little bit first about how you've come to use this in your career as a, as a player, and then maybe uh, follow that up with how you think about it as a department chair? Yeah, actually, I was on the very, I mean, there's my social media, but then I'm sort of tailgate on other um, companies' social media, and I'm really popular in their social media, right? So, and as I said, I'm going to be developing my game in the next couple months, but I started to, to promote a record a live record I did years ago when it was still very new and I hired a publicist and they said, Hey, you should put something on YouTube. And I was like, you, you think so? And, um, you know, so it started there that way. And then, you know, it's been many years and we see where it is. Um, and that's always what has been just, just a promotional tool and a way again, to connect people that you love jazz guitar, you want to, or if it's the educational side. And so for me, giving away those maybe free snippets are to bring you in, right? So there's always that thing of, of, of to whatever studying or whatever. But I guess thinking about that on the side of being a chair and an educator, um, you know, when I was a kid, we took mass media classes and we learned about someone's trying to, someone's trying to sell you something all the time. Someone's, or it's a bias or point of view. And we explored those as a kid. And, and I'm curious about the younger generation, if they do that anymore or learn about that, because they seem to be whatever's on the internet is true. And they just take it in at face value without seeing that someone's trying to get you to influence you to manipulate, maybe manipulate you in a good or bad way. So when any of us here are putting out stuff, we are selling some, we are, and we're using it in that way. And I think that's, students need to look at that as, yes, that's a part of a business thing, but also look at their own habits in social media and, and investigate, what are you really getting out of this? Or do you see, again, like, you know, it was very clear, all of us said, well, we're using it for this and we're using it for this. So, when you're watching other people, what are they trying to sell you? And, and to be, um, have that awareness. And again, as I said before, like this, I just read this book and this guy was saying, you know, you need to, this book called Deep Work, or he's talking about, you really need to make these blocks of time to study 
you know, and they could be different blocks of time through the time through the day. And he was saying that the people really that invented social media, they don't use it because you can't invent something so complex and deep if you're distracted, which is what the social media does to us. It makes our phones make us distracted. So I think it's a matter of making that space. You can turn it off and you need to turn it off if you're going to be playing your guitar and practicing your guitar, because you might have. 30,000 followers on Facebook, but if they come to your gig and you can't play the whole gig because you only used to, you can play for 30 second shreds, the next day you're going to have one follower. I mean, it's not, you can't sustain that. You know what I mean? So you have to think about this thing of developing your craft in the real world. To me personally, I, I, I I don't really like to watch a lot of people just shredding in their room because to me, music is about playing with others. And I think Tomo was saying that is that if you think that's the whole experience, you're missing out when you go to play with others for others. Wow. What did the bass player do? What did the piano? Hey, what's going on? And then, and that whole give and take with a live audience, that's really missing. And I, and I see this in, I think a lot of students who, and, and, and of course the pandemic really solidified this habit of just playing with tracks and playing in your room. And then when we say, Hey, come and play in an ensemble, or here's a show at the BPC or whatever performance opportunity. um, There's kind of a meltdown with that because they're not putting themselves in this situation of playing with others. Cause it's easier to sit in your room and just put on that camera and just shred as opposed to really get out and meet others and network with others. Cause you know, that's how you're going to build your career and that's gonna, how you're going to build your craft. You know, I want to say that to soloists as well, um, because I'm, I, I play in ensembles, but I'm also a soloist and you really want to take your time. You know, I love what you said, Cheryl, about like, you know, in this next year, I'm putting together a way that I want to show this new record. You're not just throwing stuff up there because you're like, Oh, I haven't posted in a while. You're taking your time. I'm doing the same thing. Like I want to reinvent my social media stuff and I have new music, but it's going to take time. And I know because of all the other things I'm doing in my life, I can't do it instantly. And if you're a soloist, just because you can play all the parts on one guitar, because you're a classical or fingerstyle player, doesn't mean you're ready to put it out there. Even if you want to be. And so I think it's important that what you put out is good, you know, or it's, it's really intentional. Like Cecil is saying like, look, I'm working on something and my audience are people who are learning from me and I want to show them how I'm working on it. That's different than like setting up the camera and saying like, well, let's see how this goes. I'm practicing this today and not knowing if what comes out is, is solid. Right. And so that might be a video that you make as a practice video and only you watch it. And then when you fix those issues or bring them to your teacher, then you can post it. Um, And that being said, I want to go back to Cheryl for a second. Like we have some students now that have come to you and I as the department chairs and they seem to think that because they see someone do something well on social media or explain it well, that that is a substitute or it's on the same level as what they're getting in their private lessons. Like they'll say, well, I'm taking this lesson, but then I'm also going to this other guy who's on YouTube and he's showing these other things. And so, 
you know, I'm not sure which one to listen to. And that shows me like this lack of discernment. Like everybody here has said, look, anybody can post on social media and it might look really great. And the person might even be reputable, but you have to be careful that it doesn't rob you of the opportunity to really dig in and learn if you're in school, especially at a really great music school that you're, um, you're investing in. And can you talk about that for a minute, Cheryl? Well, I think this is, this is the thing. I mean, we, and we had to, we, we, we had to do this remote learning through the pandemic and things, but I think on the other side of it, almost everybody said there's no substitute for sitting with your teacher, the sensei. Right. And, you know, I've heard people call that like chi transmission, like the real life thing. And I guess I'm saying that too about, you know, shredding in your room, but then playing music with others is really ultimately what it's about. And I, I mean, and I, I think we can all, again, use this platform to, to share a lot of stuff, but sitting with your teacher or sitting with somebody is a very, um, it's a very deep and, and you can't substitute for that. You know, um, you learn how to, how music really feels. You learn about time and groove. Um, and also about if you have to practice something and you show up to your teacher and you get nervous, you know what I mean? Like I used to come to my teacher, my, oh, I'd be shit. You know what I mean? And that's part of the process though. You know, it's like, I'm scared to do that, but that is actually part of that process of developing that, of preparing something and showing up and presenting it and sharing it with your teacher you can't get that. So there's many great things you can learn. You can learn a bunch of voicings. You can learn some licks. You can learn, you know, harmony. There's many things that are great about this remote learning, but to be with a teacher and, and then to be with a band and to be together, there's no replacement for it. So this is, I think this is the thing is that the social media and all, we have to keep that perspective. You know, it's, I was thinking as you were talking that part of what I had posed to Cecil, I think in the pandemic, a lot of these things in social media gave everyone a tremendous amount of comfort. You know, like watching someone who looks your age playing something that you think you can imitate, it you find a connection there, right? Or it's something like you're scrolling, but it's taking your mind away from all these serious things that are happening. And I think that's a beautiful thing. And I think it's really positive as long as it doesn't suck you in to the point where you can't do something that's meaningful. You know, now is a time when we're all trying to reassess and this is a good time to reassess. If you feel sucked in or you feel really, really taken by some of this content, maybe step back and think like, okay, if I'm going to be like the operator of my own musical life, how am I going to use this as a tool instead of, a tool to actually help you as a musician, as opposed to, you know, sort of just give you a distraction that might be comforting, but maybe isn't in the long term the most positive thing, even if it got you through a short term difficulty really positively. Um, so I have one more question, and maybe this reveals that I'm Gen X, um, but <clears throat> Cecil and Ben and, and even Tomo, because you've surpassed all of us in our generation. You've shown that generation means nothing when you really want to do something. Do you all make money? Is I mean, you have to say how much money you make, but is there money involved in this? 
Like, is this really a financial thing or does it just bring people to other things that make you money? Like, do you make money from social media? Um, ben. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So well, both, I, uh, you know, I, I mean, well, it brings, you know, money in from other sources, you know, I mean, especially with, the, I teach, you know, privately through Zoom now uh, on my own time as well. So that helps me get students that way. But uh, yeah, I do make money. And from, is it from Instagram? Is it because of the ads? Like, is it because, like, why does Instagram want to pay you? Or yeah, you? it's it's from the ads that gets put put on mine. But yeah, it's it's not much, but it's it, it is it's something. You know, it's something. So Cecil, do you make some money from it too? Like something? I do. Yeah. Um, like, kind of yes to both things you were saying um like i make money from the app itself with um this new subscribers feature that instagram launched i think over the summer um but it also like brings traffic to my website um which then will lead to people like buying any of the educational materials i have on there or booking a lesson with me or something like that and tomo you make money with yes it. i do yeah yes. from youtube and Lately, Instagram, they sent me something called professional dashboard, and I can click. They tell you, like, you know, you want to try 30 days to bonus bonuses. So you can, you know, uh, post up to 150 reels in one month. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, just fun to do it. But the funny part is sometimes not so much guitar video, my cat's video and my nunchuck video make, makes more money. <laughs> That's crazy, right? <laughs> you know, this is funny because Cheryl and I interview all the incoming students and a lot of them come and they say, oh, I know Tomo from social media. I want to study with them. And we've had to start asking. We were like, do you know Tomo? Yeah. And his guitar playing, or do you know Dexter and Max, his cats? And they're like, and then some of them will say, Well, actually, the cats, but he seems really nice. And then we're like, Okay, let's talk about yeah. stylistically. What yeah, you a lot want. of them send their regards, Tomo, to the cats. Oh, yes, they, they just or they inquire, How are they doing? So just let them know people care. Let me tell you, like lately, I try to do like a testing, you know, algorithm, right? And, um, it's just so doing great. You know, you really focus on your music and you're really targeting, you know, your audience. Ben does great, you know, short video, not actual his music, but targeting gain more fans, you know, because algorithm really shut, shut, shut off from you to audience. And that's what it is, really. So you have to use something. So sometimes I play funky stuff, short stuff. I try and do this new one. I try to, you know, lay down the guitar. I make Max do something on a whammy bird. That's yeah. more views on my guitar. <laughs> well, Max plays the blues too, doesn't Max? Like play the E string and oh, that's, I'm sorry. that's that's Dexter. Yeah, Dexter plays in yeah. time. See, I know, and yeah, I don't yeah. even get on social media that often, but I know that. So yeah, I have to get Max Dexter on the whammy bar and Dexter playing playing the blues. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Pretty good. Yeah. You know, I mean, we might hire that cat if we need. But idea is, you know, sometimes you don't want to worry about you know best video won't get so many views. That's because that's a whole system. That's a system. Mm -hmm. Systems really, you know, rich guy made this amazing system to make more money from the ad. You guys were, you know, kind of made made by the system. So you have to use the system backwards. So first, don't spend too much your time. Really focus on your craft music, not so much about this. 
but it's free. Why not use it? Right. You know, <laughs> you know we're coming to the end. And so I'm going to ask Ian for a final thought in a minute, but I want to recap some important things. So social media is a business for us as professional musicians. You're going to decide how you want to use it. Do you want to create a community? Do you want to show what you're doing? Do you want to create a brand for yourself and a separate income stream? Or do you want something to feed and a different income stream? However you decide to do it, you have to be intentional. You have to book your time every day to do it. Everybody here has time set aside and they have specific checklists that they use. Everyone here who is on social media, these panelists who are have tens of thousands, if not and Tomo with hundreds of thousands and Ben with a hundred thousand um, followers, they do not use social media. They don't scroll through it. They don't spend time getting sucked into it. They don't use it. They're not a user. They're an operator. So rethink that for yourself. And then remember that craft is really important, that what you're showing is the tip of the iceberg, but it is the tip of the iceberg of you. And so you have to make sure that you are spending an exponential more of your time practicing your craft and really understanding your instrument than you are making the content for your social media. It shouldn't be the other way around. <clears throat> you're going to have to practice a lot. You're going to have to know your instrument. You're going to have to know your sound. You have to know who you are as a musician. And those are things that if you're young, you're developing and that's okay. But like Ben said, he probably spends 10 times longer than Tomo does creating the content because Tomo has another 30 years of his career ahead of Ben, right? And so I'm sure that's true. We got into it with each person. Like it's just going to take you the time it takes you. And then it can be a financial gain for you if you really play it right. Um, but when you do that, <clears throat> you're also going to have to deal with the things like the nasty comments and all the ways that you work to grow that part of your business and then think about how that impacts the other parts of, of your professional life, which is you. Um, and so I think, um, I think these are really cool things. I want to just say that this conversation is the launch of a whole program of clinics that we're launching for 2023, um, where these panelists and a few others from our department will be offering clinics to guitar players at Berkeley. And then we're going to um, offer some of that content on our YouTube page and as part of Coffee Talk to help you with the specifics of doing this. So um, hang in there. It really is a big deal um, in your life and you can decide how much of your life you want it to be in a healthy way. Um, and that's what we want for you. Um, Ian, what's on your mind as a final thought before we wrap it up today? I really dig what Cheryl, you were saying um, about like, what social media i mean and, and tomo touched on that as well like what it's made for and what it really is and like i think that it's really important for students to keep in mind that even though a lot of content on social media seems very casual it seems very sort of like this buzzword authentic you know and that it's actually a very curated thing that when you see well-known people or whatever, and it just seems like 
just like this very honest part of life. And that's actually like a very curated thing and it's to sell advertisements. (laughs) Well, when you think about it, even everything we do in the department, even though we are having an honest conversation, that's not scripted. We really think it through. We think, who do we want to have on? How do we want to represent like who we are as a community and what do we want people to know? We, we care about musical depth. We care about each other. And um, we care about the students who come to us. And um, yeah, it's the real deal. As Cheryl just said, I'm going to hang it to you, hand it over to you in a second, Cheryl, as well. Like it is the real deal. Like we really care about the depth of music education. We're stewards of this beautiful guitar community and this guitar department that's global. That's thousands and thousands, tens of thousands of people for decades. And um we know we are sending you out into the world, hopefully to change it for the better. And um, if you don't like what's on social media, I encourage you to put out something positive, you know, and show people what it can be. That's what we decided to do. Like, you know, we wanted more communication among musicians that was positive and real. And so we decided to make it. And, um, and we think a lot about that. And so we're hoping that you all think a lot about what you're doing and, and, you know, surpass us and um, and put more of that great stuff that you're doing out into the world. Cheryl, what's your final thought? I think everybody's shared some really great insights. And, um, yeah, uh, we look forward to, you know, again, as I said, yeah, we sell the real deal. So <laughs> Come, tune in again for more of the real deal. <laughs> I love it. Well, thank you, Cheryl. Thank you, Cheryl Bailey. Thank you, Cecil Alexander. Thank you, Tomo Fujita, Ben Cody, and Ian Steed. And we're going to keep talking. um, And uh, we'll be with all the rest of you on the next Coffee Talk. 